Well, hello, my friends. The grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Well, that brings us to our gospel lesson and the sermon text for this Sunday morning. It can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Again, this is John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Hear now the words of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Well, friends, i got to be honest with you this morning. Um, I don't know a whole lot about flowers or plant life. I know what a tulip, or sorry, what a rose looks like. Heidi's favorite flowers are tulips, so you better believe I know that. Fellas, it's important to know your lady's favorite flower. Is that one of the things you'll teach us on Saturday, Sarge? There you go. I know that since this upcoming Sunday is Mother's Day, I'll send Mama an arrangement of flowers. And Heidi will laugh at me because she says I send her the same ones every year. Mostly because I really don't know what I'm looking at. We have beautiful plants in our flower beds over at the house. But if Heidi were to say to me, look how beautiful our hydrangeas are doing. I'll just glance in that general direction and say, yeah, boy, they are really fucking good. So I thought that this week, since our gospel lesson was about vines and branches, maybe I should do a little research and read up a bit on this metaphor that Christ Jesus is offering to us this morning. I mentioned before that one of my favorite professors at Asbury was Dr. Ben Withering, 10th III. Those of you who are with us for our Gospel of John Bible study will remember seeing his face at the end of each week. He's who produced and helped with that study that we did. So I went to his synopsis of this very passage. And here's what Dr. Witherington says. I want us to start here so we're all on the same page. He says, a little knowledge of horticulture comes in handy here. Here being this parable we just read about. Branches do not produce fruit by being sapsuckers sucking the nutrition out of the vine. To the contrary, the vine pushes its vital substances into the branches so they will be productive. 
In other words, it's not all on the branches to be productive. It takes a close connection between the vine and the branches. I didn't know that. That branches don't produce fruit because of their own effort or because of their own works or by reaching into the vine and taking what they need. Instead, branches produce fruit because they open themselves up to being poured into by the vine, with the vine providing for them everything they could possibly need to be productive. And the vine can only pour into the branches if there is a close connection between the two. Now, in our lesson this morning, Christ Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. For you and I to produce any of the fruits of the Spirit, we have to first understand that it's not about us. It's not about our effort. It's not about what we do. It's not about us reaching out to Jesus and taking us a little bit here and a little bit there like he's some kind of a cosmic vending machine. It's about opening ourselves up to the presence of Christ Jesus in every aspect of our life. It's about allowing the Spirit to be poured into us to the point of overflowing, out of which comes every good thing that God desires for us and for our community. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it requires a close connection and abiding in Jesus. That's what he means in verse 4 when he says, Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Branches have no life on their own. Their life flows from the vine. So too, we really have no life on our own. Our life comes from Jesus. His resurrection from the dead revealed to all of us that he is the source of all life. He has defeated death for us, and now there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. But the life he gives us, friends, is not just life after death. It's also life right now. Right now in this church, right now in this community, right now in our world, in the unfolding of his kingdom. This life flows to us, and this life flows through us to fill the world with all the gifts that we just spoke about. So long as we abide in him. And so what does that mean? You use that phrase a number of times. What does abide in Christ mean? Well, it's basically what you would expect it to be. Abiding is staying closely connected to the source of our life, Christ Jesus. It means being immersed in the prayers of the church. It means steady conversations with God on a regular basis. It means being in scripture, soaking in the truth of the Bible. It means engaging in works of mercy by loving and serving your neighbors. And also works of piety and trying to live a more holy life. It means participating in the sacraments when they are offered, like Holy Communion will be here in just a second. Friends, every day is an opportunity for all of us to abide in the one that not just gives us life, but gives us abundant life. And you also have to expect and be willing to be pruned. What does that mean? Well, as you probably already know, but I found out this weekend. To be pruned is to cut away dead, overgrown, diseased branches or stems to increase fruitfulness or growth. 
And you say, well, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to be pruned. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All of us need a good pruning. Because I'll guarantee that right now there are things in your heart, things on your mind, things occupying your soul that need to be removed so that you can grow spiritually. Unhealthy things that need to be removed so you can bear fruit. And listen, even those that might be bearing some fruit right now also need to be pruned. So they can bear even more fruit because pruning indicates spiritual growth. Is there anybody in here this morning or anybody watching on Facebook this morning who feels that they have grown all they want to grow in their faith? Here's an example. George W. Bush was one of my favorite presidents. That's not a political statement. It just was. He loved baseball. He liked to run. He's a Methodist. <laughs> Around 2005 or six or so, I found out that what he does usually is he alternates between reading the Bible over the course of a year and then reading a devotion over the course of the year. And the devotion is Oswald Chambers, most for his, high, for his highest. Marty has the same one. And so I thought, you know, I want to do that devotion. So I bought it. And on January 1st, I sat down to start it. I lasted about a week. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. It didn't resonate with me at all. Why? Because I needed some pruning. At that point in my life, my mind, my heart, my soul weren't really open to abiding in Christ in every aspect of my life. I was much more concerned with other things other than things of faith or things of a spiritual nature. But then once Jesus got a hold of me and I allowed the Lord to slowly start pruning back the bad habits and the wrong behaviors and the misaligned goals and the incorrect understandings of where my identity truly was, I went back to that book about four or five years later. And it was very much what the Apostle Paul writes about how the scales fell from his eyes when he went from being blind to being able to see again. The words made sense. It resonated with me. It struck a chord with me. It changed me. Now understand this. In those intervening four to five years when I first got the book and then picked it back up again and started to make sense, I hadn't yet discerned a call to ordained ministry. I hadn't taken any Bible classes. I hadn't started seminary. The only thing that I had done in that intervening four or five year period was to make a conscious decision to make Jesus the Lord of every aspect of my life. And that's when the pruning process started to take place. And that's when I started to grow. Because friends, we all have two choices in our faith. A pruning on the vine that leads to growth or removal from the vine that leads to death. When we open ourselves up to the presence of Christ Jesus in every aspect of our lives, that means that certain thoughts and behaviors are going to have to fall by the wayside so that we can be the fruit bearers that the Lord requires of us. We need to allow ourselves to be pruned. John Wesley puts it this way. He says, this is one of the noblest rewards God can bestow on former acts of obedience. To make us yet more holy 
and fit for farther and more imminent service. See, the Christian life isn't about bearing a little bit of fruit here and there or having a little bit of love here and there. It's about bearing much fruit, about being made perfect in love. What this pruning metaphor really is, is the process of sanctification. Our becoming more holy and holy each day as we allow more and more of the Holy Spirit into more and more areas of our lives. I got one last thing. If you were to look at a vine and all the branches on that vine, there are going to be some branches that are thriving and some branches that are dying, even though they're all attached to the same vine. Sometimes you can't tell the ones that are thriving from the ones that are dying until it's too late. Because at certain points, they all look the same from the outside. And they're all connected to the same vine. But being connected to that vine is no guarantee of growth. Because there's something going on the inside of that branch that's prohibiting it. My friends, as I look out across this sanctuary this morning, it would be easy to conclude that everybody in here is growing in their faith. Because you are in church, after all. And this morning we prayed, and this morning we sang, and you've heard the word proclaimed, and we'll pray over our offering in a minute, we'll take Holy Communion. You can make a very compelling argument that by all outside appearances, everybody in here is abiding in Christ right now. But then we're going to go home. And tomorrow we're going to go to work. Or tomorrow we're going to go to school. Or we're going to go to Dollar General or Walmart or Food Line or whatever. Will you continue to abide in Christ when you are outside of this sanctuary? I mean, it's easy to do in here, isn't it? I mean, if there is one space in this world conducive to abiding in the Lord... It's a church sanctuary on Sunday morning, isn't it? But what happens when you walk out that door in just a little bit? You see, the difference is what's going on on the inside of each other. It's one thing to stand up here and talk about abiding and pruning and all that kind of thing. It's a completely different, different story entirely to actually be about the work of abiding and pruning. Being here on Sunday morning is no guarantee that you are abiding in Christ or that you love Christ or that you have a relationship with Christ or are willing to be pruned or are producing any fruit whatsoever. Being connected with all the people in here is no guarantee of that either. Because without a relationship with Christ, without abiding in Christ, you are not going to produce any fruit whatsoever. And if you don't produce fruit... Jesus told us this morning that you will be removed, thrown away, you will wither, be gathered with all the other withered branches, thrown into a fire, and burned. That's heavy. And quite honestly, that's one of the burdens that I carry as your preacher. Because I don't want a single one of you to die on the vine, wither away, and be thrown into fire. And part of that burden is standing up here on certain Sundays and telling you some things you may not want to hear. But when I say these things, I say it out of a place of love. Because how you live on this side of paradise is going to determine where you live on the other side of it. 
Now we've got two options. There's a joke about the fact that they talk about a stairway to heaven and a highway to hell tells you something about the anticipated traffic on each of them. <laughs> Friends, I want you to be on that stairway. So we should start today. All of us. We're going to take communion here in just a little bit. And I urge you to use that time to renew your commitment to abide in Christ in every aspect of your lives. Open yourself up to being pruned. Desire to be a fruit bearer. I want to close this morning with words from Bishop J.C. Ryle. J.C. Ryle was bishop of the Anglican Church in Liverpool, England in the 1800s. If you joined us for our Gospel of Luke study Last spring, we used some of his devotions toward the end. But here's what he says it means to abide in Christ. I want you to think about these words. If you're already doing what I read here in just a second, I want you to go deeper in it. If you're not doing any of it, or maybe just some of it, I want you to start right now. But here's what he says about abiding in Christ. He says, to abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of close communion with him. To be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring out our hearts to him, and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds, and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. May it be so for all of us, friend. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. God bless.